Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Bonnie in the house, happy to be here. And we got an interesting topic for all of you around the world today. Welcome to our listeners. Every part of the globe listens to the show. It's one of our longest running Game Changers radio series. So I'm very happy to be here. Listen, many of you are working. Many of you don't want to work. Many of you do want to work. Are you working from home? Are you working on site again after the pandemic is easing up in parts of the world? Well, how much do you love your job regardless of where you're working? That's what we're going to be talking about today and how can intelligent automation help? So let me give you my opening quote, then a little bit of background, and then I will have my three esteemed guests introduce themselves. So here's a quote from a blog I found at a website called Tiger Sheet, exactly the way it sounds, tigersheet.com. Listen up. It's It's imperative that you, we're talking to businesses, find the right balance between automation and human intelligence within your business. Automation is shy. It's great for boring, repetitive tasks behind the scenes, but not so much when it comes to the front lines. So those of you worried about having your job taken over by automation, Maybe not, hopefully not, probably not. So here we go. Nobody wants a job doing the same thing over and over and every single day in and out. What people want is to spend their time making good decisions for the best interest of their company. And that may mean better products, better serving customers, doing something besides just pushing that same button or that same wheel all the time. Similarly, businesses want to make optimal use of their people. They've trained you. They've engaged you. They want to provide the best levels of everything, production and service. And we know and they know that today, as I said, the workforce is increasingly remote. And this is reflecting the outcome of what happened that was accelerated. Workforce flexibility, if you will, by the pandemic that hit the world a little over a year ago. So talking to business owners, talking to managers and leaders, can your company eliminate the boredom of repetitive daily tasks? You may have to do some of those yourself. We hope so. Can you better apply workforce skills to deliver consistently great service to your customers, your partners, anybody along your supply chain, your food chain, if you will? And can you achieve these goals in a flexible workplace? Well, we think we have the answer. IA. Now, we all know AI is artificial intelligence. IA is intelligent automation, so don't get those confused. It's also called cognitive automation. IA is the use of automation technologies, and we're talking AI, artificial intelligence. We're talking BPM, that's business process management, and RPA. You've heard of that. It's robotic process automation. Using all of those to streamline and scale decision-making across your entire company. So we have three experts on the topic here. I'm very happy to welcome Chet Harder. Chet, welcome back. It's been a while since you've been on a Game Changer show with me. He's at SAP. We have a newcomer, Sukshita R. She goes by a single letter for her last name. I think she's a one-name wonder here. And she's at Inkshire Technology. She'll tell us a little bit about her company in a few minutes. And Keith Grayson is back. Keith is also a former guest. Keith, happy to see you again. We're going to ask them for their take on Excel at Your Job all day, every day, intelligent automation. Again, Bonnie D. Graham here. Happy to be here. Chet Harder, you're up first. Chet, 
Welcome back. Would you please do us the honor of reintroducing yourself in case there's somebody, shame on them, who doesn't remember you. I know everybody does, but just pretend there's three people in the world who don't remember what you do. Chat, chat give us your background and why are you passionate about this topic? Go ahead. First of all, great to see you again, Bonnie. It's Thank great you. to be invited back. Uh, you know me from my previous life as a, an automotive guy at SAP, where I was for 10 years, I was the North American Automotive Industry Principal for SAP. Four years ago, I moved over to platform and technology, spent all of 2020 talking with our customers about, uh, about business process management. And now with the, uh, the creation of the Business Process Intelligence Organization, I'm part of the global center of excellence for the BPI organization. Very interesting. So what, what's your take? Just quick overview. What's your passion about intelligent automation? Is it here to stay? Has it been around for a while? Is it a good thing, a bad thing? What's your, what's your passion for it, Chet? My passion for it is that uh, I th- I, you know, one, of the, one of the things I like to talk about when I have these types of opportunities is the fact that technology has come so far over the course of just the past five to 10 years. But as I'm out there talking with, with people, it's, it's kind of like we're stuck we're stuck where we were in 1995, and I use 1995 because I think that's the first reference I could find to, to ERP. Um, but what I find to be the case is things were done in 1995 in ERP because that, those were the capabilities of the technology at the time. Now we've moved, we've moved ahead 25 years, and we're still doing things the same way as we were before. I'm wondering why we're not getting more value out of these technologies. And I find also that it, it, it sits somewhere in between technology and in between applications in a kind of a gray area. So the IT people don't touch it, the business people don't touch it. And we have an opportunity here to greatly improve the way business is done today if we can get those two sides to ta- start talking to one another. Interesting. So that's a different kind of a silo when you said greatly improve. And I think that's the goal of our show today is help businesses find a way to greatly improve, right? Everything they do, the way the business Mm -hmm. functions, the processes, how the people are productive, how to keep your workforce engaged today. And one of the outcomes of the flexible acceleration of flexible workforce from the pandemic is a lot of people don't want to stay in the jobs they had before. There is a huge turnover and there are entire industries that are having trouble finding people to work mm-hmm. for them. Right. So we are seeing a different kind of, we used to talk about the future of work. Well, it's here and it might not involve the word work. So we, we are really in, in a flex, a flux of a flex time. Thank you very much, Chet. Wonderful to have you back. I forgot you were in automotive. Now yeah. I remember we had a show called The Future of Cars with Game Changers. And you may not know that that series has been renamed to The Future of Mobility and Manufacturing. So we might get you back on one of those episodes as well. Now let's go to our newcomer, Sukshitha R. We're happy to have you here. And would you please do us the honor of introducing yourself? Tell us a little bit about your background and how did you end up in this part of technology and what's your passion? Welcome. Sure, uh, Bonnie. Uh, Good morning, all, and uh, namaste to my fellow Indians. I am speaking here from Bangalore, not from NA. Well, quickly, my name is Sukshita. You can call me Sukshi as short or Suksh as short. That's what my colleagues call me. So I I come here with around 15 years of uh, IT experience. I I started uh, with a mobile developer, moved to uh, testing, quality engineering, automation, and now I lead digital assurance, RPA, and application managed services at Inter Technologies. 
Incher is SAP Silver Partner, and uh, we are headquartered here at uh, Bangalore. While we have our presence in North America, Middle East, Canada, and Southeast Asia, Europe, all over the globe, while we have around uh, you know, 100 plus customers. Uh, Incher also has won Innovation Award uh, consecutive 2019 and uh, 2020 for its ability to integrate the cutting edge technologies and deliver it to customers in their uh, digital transformation journey. So that's what our vision is, where we bring more value to our customers and uh, give them um, the productivity and cost saving, which helps uh, them to invest more in digital transformation journey. Thank you very yep. much. And Sukshita, we want to know a little bit about you. Thank you for the introduction to your company, but we want to also know what brought you to this part of technology and what's your passion for intelligent automation? Do you believe in it? Is it a good thing? What do you think? Of course, uh, Bonnie. You know, like for me as a kid, uh, my, my dad is a mechanical engineer and uh, I grew uh, looking at uh, huge machines. Uh, whenever I visit his uh, you know, factory, there were all these uh, machines and uh, they used to manually operate it. And now he's retired and while he's retired, all these machines are gone. They're all now CNC machines and they're all smart while they produce maybe like 10x than what it used to be, right? So when I started, I always wanted to be an engineer and uh, wanted to get into something where I feel proud of, you know, whenever we deliver. So that's how software happened to me. And now with intelligent automation, I see similar uh, reformation. You know, th there is that evolution happening. 10 years ago, when I started my career, uh, it was all, you know, small applications and we had this tiny mobile operated manually while today we hold smartphones. That in itself is intelligent automation. Today we speak to our mobiles, right? Before we used to operate it over, you know, over a keypad. So it's going to it's going to be there forever and it's it's going to evolve more maybe. Thank you very much. You're right. I don't think you come from the era, but I grew up with dial-up phones where you had a, a a rotary dial. I think I saved one from my mom's house. And, and we also had what's called the princess phone, which was an innovation. You could get it in pink or white or light blue. Chet, do you remember those days? Chet doesn't oh, I, want to. I have oh, no he idea does. what you're talking about. <laughs> Keith, I'm not even going to ask you. And oh, the princess, have a princess phone. <laughs> the princess phone, you could hang it up on the wall on on the receiver. The little hook went on the wall in your kitchen or your bedroom, and instead of taking up space on the kitchen counter or the bedroom table, the side table, you could actually have the phone on the wall. And they, the pretty ones, were called the princess phones. I don't think I own one, but I heard about them. I, I read about it, Chet, just like you. Never, never yeah, was in yeah. that era. Thank you very much, Sakshita. Happy to have you here, and happy to Thank know you. about your company and Keith Grayson. Keith is battling the internet service provider wars which have been inflicted on all of us recently. Keith, you're in good company. Keith, would you please reintroduce yourself to our audience because I know a lot of people still remember you, but bring us up to date, please. Yeah, Bonnie, it's great to be on, on the show again. Um, so I've had a few changes as well since the last time. So right now I'm, I'm responsible globally for commercialization of the services in SAP's business technology platform. 
Um, physically, I'm calling here for about 50 miles west of London in the UK. I've been with SAP for 15 years in a variety of roles like solution management, center of excellence and business development. And during that time, I've been responsible for our overall go-to-market and approach to uh, process excellence, integration, and middleware solutions. And before that, I was heavily involved in IT security and identity management for a number of companies like Atos and, and HP. Um, so just looking at this topic, this topic of intelligent automation, why do I like it? Why do I have a passion for it? Well, the thing that I really like about my job is just seeing the impact of technology for the organizations that, that I've dealt with and that I've helped over the years. And we sort of help um, to sow the seeds and plant ideas with lots of different organizations, often with emerging technologies. I'm going to go to the part of the show. Chad is nodding. We're going to move along to the part of the show where my guests have sent me a quote from a movie a song, a television character, and the quote on its surface has absolutely nothing to do with our topic specifically, not about business, not about technology, not about workforce, not about jobs, not about repetitive tasks or automation, not about tech, and they're going to tell us why they think it does relate to our topic today. So Chet Harder has sent us a wonderful quote. It's the title track of the 1964 album by Bob Dylan, talk about iconic, and the quote is from the song, The Times They Are a Change, and I promise I won't sing, Chet, because we would lose all of our listeners. When I dance, people look. When I sing, nobody, everybody walks away. So here we go. The quote is, come gather round, people, wherever you roam, and admit that the waters around you have grown, and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. For the times, they are a-changing. How is that, Chet? Not too bad? That was actually pretty good. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Go ahead. Keith, I'm admitting your phone to the room so you'll be able to come back on phone. Chet, talk to me about this quote. We love it. We absolutely love it. Talk well, to you me. know what? It, it, it was, um, quite honestly, it was a little too obvious to pick that. The times, they are a-changing. It was, it, it, was, it was one of the first things that popped into my head, and I thought, come on, I have to have a little bit more imagination than that. I need to come up with something a little bit more obscure and not known. But when I looked at the lyrics, which I didn't really know the lyrics beyond the title of the song, and, and it basically is a warning. It's not only, it's just not making a statement that the, the times they are changing. What it's saying is, you better get on board. You better, and, and if we relate that to our own business or the, the environment that we're in, it's saying, look, things are changing. And, and only, the one, only the ones that change along with it are going to be the ones that survive. It's basically a warning saying times are changing and you better, you better jump on board with that because you're going to be left behind, whether it's, whether it's your company or, what, or any company or whether it's you as an individual, we need to, to stay up on things. And I thought, you know, I, I, after I read that, I thought I have to choose this because it just represents so much of what I'm, I'm about on a daily basis that I, I would be hard-pressed to find an, another song, movie, any kind of quote that would top that. Thank you. Very interesting the way you put that. I appreciate that. Yes, it, it is iconic, as is Bob Dylan. And the times are changing, Chet, so fast that nobody mm -hmm. saw it coming. Nobody 
initially could grasp it, right? And we talk on many of my radio shows for for SAP about digitalization. The companies that had already dipped their toe in that water or were swimming full finned into the deep water were able to be agile and nimble and proactive and do something when other companies were saying, what? We we can't do that. So yeah. we, we know that being being up on the changes is part of being able to change, being aware, being alert, uh, being prepared. Go ahead. If I could just make one last comment, yeah, and I don't please. want to take over too much time here, but there, there actually have been statistics showing that the companies that are on board with change and modernizing and digitize, digitizing their, their operations and things like that are, are, one, retaining their employees better and attracting younger employees. You know, and I found that to be a very interesting, a very interesting thing. You know, when when they when they're moving forward and they're perceived by their own employees as a as a modern progressive organization, they're having an easier time retaining the talent that they uh, they choose to to get, including the younger people who you know don't have the experience, but they have a, a different background and bring a, a different uh, set of characteristics with them. So that's a, a very positive thing. The consumerization of jobs, right, Keith? Right, Chet? Where yeah, people people absolutely. get to do what they do in their real lives. And we talked on, on one of my radio shows several years ago about the way manufacturing was changing, where where young people were saying, I want to go and work in a factory. And their parents would say, why is it? Well, I get to have an iPad. And I get to be part of making process happen. And I get to help maybe even with some robotics moving around on the floor of the factory, moving products and supplies from one place to the other. And I have this cool technology and I'm part of something. I'm not just standing there in front of a, an assembly line, pushing a button or inserting one thing into the other. So you're right. There was this trend of Jobs became fashionable when technology was added to the mix of the daily job, going to intelligent automation, helping people. So thank you for the quote, Chet. It's it's going to become one of my favorites. Actually, thank you. And I've, I have had thousands of quotes on these shows and I have a lot of favorites. So you got you added a new one. Sakshita R, we have a quote, uh, totally iconic Yoda, voiced and puppeteered by Frank Oz. Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Yoda is a fictional character first appearing in the 1980 film Empire Strikes Back. He's a small green humanoid alien, powerful with the force, and he was the grand master of the Jedi Order. And he's among the oldest, most stoic, and most powerful Jedi masters in the Star Wars universe. And they purposely kept his background vague, I read. They didn't want you to know too much about him. And here is the quote, and we love this dude or do not. There is no try. I get goosebumps when I hear this quote because it's it's a message of life, isn't it? Sakshita? You can say, it. well, I'll try to get there on time. Do or do not. There is no try. The clock is ticking. Go ahead. Tell me how you pick this one, please. And what does it have to do with our topic? Go ahead. Yes, of course. I mean, whenever I watch this and whenever he repeats this dialogue, I get chills. I feel like, oh, yeah, we shouldn't even use this word try. For me, try is something great, right? And um, I think this little green mentor, Yoda, he he knew what is possible, what is not possible. He knew the power uh, within uh, Luke uh, when he says it is impossible and uh, when he wasn't confident enough of his abilities, all right? And uh, he assures and uh, he encourages, he pushes to the uh, confidence and he proves that he was right. And uh, that is something which I always, uh, you know, message to my 
team members or the youngsters and i always you know i have a sticky note as well here do or uh, you know it's do or don't do not try so for me uh, it is either black or white and there is no gray and it this happens day in day out basis like whenever we talk to team members or whenever we are talking to some it leaders from different organizations they just say sukshita you know what we will try and get back and that hence for me try is something where they are doubting and they are not deciding <laughs> so i i always tell them let's do it or let's not there is no try that's right and we're talking about commitment aren't we we're saying i commit to doing something doesn't mean you're going to achieve it doesn't mean you're going to succeed but it means you're out of the gray area as you so well put it of trying and you're committing to doing something outcome unknown but you will commit to it thank you very much and keith grayson we have a wonderful quote from you as well this is from a band i was not well i know who rush is but i didn't know the song rush is the power windows album uh, mystic rhythms is the song by the canadian rock band rush released as a second single from their 1985 album Power Windows, which is their 11th studio album. And the song was actually used as the opening of an NBC news program on TV in 1986. And here is the quote. The more we think we know about, the greater the unknown. Ooh, Keith, goosebumps as well. Talk to me. How'd you find this one? <laughs> so, uh, so Bonnie, yeah. Uh, you've actually done a lot more research on this track than I have. <laughs> I just... Uh, I'm actually more of a music and rhythm guy than a, a quotes and words guy. But I've loved this song since I bought the album when it came out in 1985. Um, you know, Russia, one of my big music influences over the years. I, I listened to this album pretty much every day at university, along with Pyromania by Def Leppard. And, and I just love the rhythms and drum that, drums that lead the song. So it was really sad to lose the drummer and lyricist Neil Peart last year. Yep. So this quote, though, it really finds when we help businesses to to analyze business processes in more depth. And in doing that, they always discover hidden aspects that they weren't aware of. And then um, I've helped a lot of businesses to work to help replicate or improve those business processes, often with automation, with tools like RPA, with tools like Workflow, with tools like Process Mining. And, you know, you every time you do that, you just peel the onion skin to the next level. And it's just a continual um, peeling of the onion skin back to get to the next level and to help make these things more robust and to look for more exceptions. And, and that's why I like the quote. Thank you very much. All good quotes. I want to thank my three panelists for putting the time into picking even the obvious quote, Chet Harder, even that wonderful Bob Dylan quote, the times they are a change. Thank you all. Now let's move on to the roundtable. And by the way, before we go to that, I want to do a shout out to Dana Corder at SAP who is behind the scenes working to put these shows together. Dana is what I call our showrunner. She manages the SAP side of Internet of Things in terms of topics and inviting guests. And you 
chose very well today, as you always do, Dana. And a shout out also to Ira Burke, the longtime sponsor of this series, been with me for, I think this is season eight, been around a long time. It's our second longest running series. So thank you to both of you. Now, Chad Harder, you're up first. Let's look at your statement number two. I'm going to read it because it's not that long. And then we will go around the table. I'll ask Sukshita to agree or disagree with Chet. And then we'll ask Keith to disagree or agree. I put disagree first with with Chet and or with Sukshita. You've got a lot of work to do, Keith. So here's the statement. Task (laughs) automation is a very powerful capability, but it is important to recognize that tasks and entire processes can be very complex. I'm going to stop there. Chet, why don't you finish the statement and tell us what it means. Unpack, please. Well, I think it's, uh, for, for me, it's it's a sensitive topic because I, I see a lot of people out there talking about RPA. RPA, and, and RPA is a fantastic, it's a fantastic tool. And uh, I think uh, one of the biggest decisions companies have to make is, you know, do I, do I choose this RPA tool or this RPA tool? And they put them side by side and they match them up. And, but, but I th- and that's all good. But I think the, the thing that I see here is that process automation is more than just automation. It's more than just taking a repetitive task and making it an automatic, whether it's a behind the scenes bot or something that's a digital assistant or, or whatever. But there are so many other things that lend themselves to a more of a digital approach. Uh, for example, uh, yeah, I like having RPA in my toolbox, but like my own my own personal toolbox at home, I've got, I don't have one hammer. I have multiple hammers for different situations. I have different wrenches for different size bolts or different purposes and process Process automation is the same type of thing. It depends on how I want to automate that process. I have a problem. I need to repair a process, improve a process, automate a process, enhance a process, whatever. There are different tools for that. So when I see people say, we need an RPA tool, my response back is, "You need yes, you probably do need an RPA tool. You might even need more than one RPA tool for different purposes. But there are other process enhancing types of capabilities in, in that big technology toolbox out there that people need to know about. Because there's so many capabilities, once again, if it's a very complex situation, I might need multiple technologies in order to give me the automation that I'm looking for. Does that help? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking when you buy a a drill, you get a box of drill bits, right? They don't say every bit has to be an eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch. You might need one for metal. You might need one for wood. You might need one for aluminum siding on a house. So, yes, I know a little bit about toolboxes because as a woman who lives on her own, I have have one. I even have a workbench in my garage. There you go. Sakshitha, join us. I'd love for you to agree or disagree. Your choice, uh, Chet, is a very nice person. And if you disagree, it's okay and he'll be very intrigued with your response. So what do you think? Take about three minutes and, and tell us your response. Sakshitha, go ahead. Yeah, of course. I mean, I totally agree with uh, Chet. Uh, you know, at least, uh, you know, being that mid-gen lady, for me, as much as I can optimize my work uh, with the automation, that's all I need. You know, especially being a lady, when we run house and when we are working, and when we have to look at the family, I think we need to be smart, not only by brain, but by also by, you know, work. So anything which can give me quick data at work, I would like to automate them. And uh, similarly, anything which can quickly finish my job at home, I would like to, you know, buy such bots. So, but 
we should also consider that uh, whenever we are automating the kind of business process we identify it must be realistic and it must give success stories automating bad business process will lead to a bad decision totally and such is the time where person disagrees with intelligent automation they'll not know the reason behind it but this is the reason that you have identified maybe a wrong business process right and rpa uh, as a tool it can mend with any other new tools right like mix rpa with ai ml chatbots conversation ais and make it easy for everyone it may be employee or it may be for a student or it may be for anybody you know it may be for a aged person at home they use siri they use google home they use alexa what are they they are bot they are intelligent bots and it is helping us right so i totally agree with chat would that help bonnie yes yes of course, hey, of course every everything you say helps go ahead okay uh, bonnie, if if i if i could just yeah. add one thing onto that and this sure. this certainly is not a commercial plug here but that's one of the things that i've enjoyed about working with insure over the last couple of years is they don't start off with an rpa tool and come in and say where can we deploy this rpa tool or what what can what task can we automate they start by understanding the business requirements what is the you know what is the problem today what is the business solution that we want to have in the future now let's take whatever technology whatever those technologies are that apply to that which might be rpa it might be conversational ai it might be some of the other things she just mentioned but i i think that's a, a key aspect of this we don't want to start with the technology and think what can we do with it it's a matter of finding business processes and then determining what are the right tools to make it happen Keith Grayson you're up next even though we can't see you right now Keith would you please respond to chat statement and or the good information that Sukhshit shared go ahead Keith yeah I, i think that was all good input um so for me task automation is is coming to last generation technology although you know these technologies have a have a, a cycle of around 2 or 3 years at the moment but but task automation for me is isn't what are considered to be intelligent automation you know um and and what chat really is saying is that intelligent automation where we want to take this is so much more right it, it's it's really how you interact with people and i think that the human element in terms of how we make business process work is incredibly important in this because it's not about just following rules by rote it's about involving people it's about giving them the opportunity to to be a little bit creative to have input into the options but automation can give a level of consistency and also a level of performance and ease of use that you're not going to get from other approaches and so as as a tool to improve productivity it's great but we we actually need to think more of the human angle when we're looking at, at how it impacts business processes 
Thank you very much, Keith. Thank you. Thank, thank you to Chet as well for a good statement. And Sukshitha, I'm going to go to your statement number three next, but I was noticing in statement number two, which you covered a little bit in your comments back to Chet, you have a statement that says quite often automating a bad process can make it work, make it worse. And I believe, yes, worse, not work, Bonnie. That was a bad slip of the tongue. That is <laughs> a, a paraphrase of a very well-known Bill Gates quote, right, about bad processes when you automate them, you highlight the inefficiencies. I believe that's a, a paraphrase of a paraphrase of his quote. So you brought out a really interesting point there you mentioned. Uh, Sukshitha, let's go to statement number three. You have an example in here, and I'll just read a little bit. You say hyper-automation. I want you to define that. We need to level set for the audience. What is, we're talking about intelligent automation. Now we have hyper-automation. Hyper-automation and integration are the building blocks for an intelligent enterprise. And you have an example of how we can adopt intelligent automation via RPA in any industry. And you're talking about the hire to rehire process. So first, please define hyper-automation and then just briefly give us an overview of your use case. Thank you. Yeah, sure. Uh, so for me, uh, our, uh, as an expertise uh, from where we look, the intelligent automation uh, is a long journey. It's, it, it cannot be achieved overnight just by integrating one or two tools, right? We just spoke that how should we identify business process which gives value and which gives some uh, you know, quantitative outcome. So hyper-automation is integ integration of all these multiple tools. So whenever uh, someone buys uh, the RPA tool and uh, data analytics tool and machine learning tools, and they might integrate it into multiple layers, but they are not integrated appropriately to bring in that flow. The workflow must complete uh, in a very valued way. It must start and go to the end, and it must showcase uh, the actual outcome which can be quantified. So for us, that is hyper-automation, where we you know, uh, integrate these new technologies and tools and bind them appropriately, understanding the technology landscape or understanding the simple need. You know, uh, it, it can be as simple as understanding a woman's you know, daily routine how she wakes up to how she ends her um, day while she's doing uh, all the juggling between the work and household activity, etc. Sorry, maybe I'm talking more about uh, women's example because I'm a woman. I, I just try to pull in these practical scenarios. Uh, but talking about hire to retire, this is a classic example of any company, right? Uh, it can be IT or a non-IT. Hire to retire is a process uh, which is uh, absorbed in any uh, line of business. So let's take an example of uh, training and development, right? So uh, there might be a shopping, uh, you know, shopper stop, or uh, there might be Walmart or any other, uh, you know, companies where they want to train their employees. And now the um, training manager or LND head, he needs to pull the report. So when he needs to pull a report or when he wants to schedule a training, he will have to juggle between three different systems to take uh, the current data of an employee, whatever uh, their core skill is, where he stands, and uh, 
you know what are his uh, current uh, rankings from the previous learning happened and what is the course which needs to be provided and imagine this activity for a company like a small company maybe 100 to 500 or a larger company where we have around 5000 to 10000 or 80000 plus employees should we really keep a dedicated hr executive or a manager to do all this activity which is very repetitive day in day out they just juggle between different uh, websites and excel sheet and what not and then it goes unnoticed right you might not anyone who is doing this job he might also also not get any appreciation because he's just doing that repetitive job what if we implement rpa here right which just does all of this process logging into multiple system pulling the data updating it to an excel sharing the data to the required management team who does the decision and then goes on and all of this happens in a minute and this hr executive he can just be used for you know decision making or something better work where he can be recognized right he or she so i think this is one of the classic example where uh, you know it's a process flow where we can integrate rpa where we can bring in intelligent automation and integrate any number of tools and make it easier for an employee so ultimately what we try to achieve is fte saving but we are not at all trying to eliminate any uh, employees by the way here the agenda is to achieve uh, the fte cost saving while we still hold the same employee to do a better job and to show some you know new learning adopt new technology do some decision making and other skilled work Thank you very much. Great, great notes there. And and Keith, a uh, chat is writing down in in the chat here. Hyper automation, so he'll remember to follow up on that. Thank you, Chet. I saw that. Keith Grayson, we'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, that was a very interesting lesson in hyper automation from Sukshita. So, Keith, what are your thoughts? Agree or disagree, or what would you like to add? Go ahead. Yeah, I think that whole hire to retire process and hire to retire and to rehire process is is a really nice. example of of a key process that can be improved if you like by by hyper automation and and the key things that i really liked about that were just being able to make intelligent decisions about whether people should be included in a particular business process or not give them the option to make it easier for them and especially mobilize that sort of thing because you know a key part of hyper automation is also the 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 mobilization of things and not tying people to to laptops or desktops that they might have in the past and you know when when i talk to the businesses that's one of the key things it's just you know a big part of this isn't just the automation it's taking it off of the office so that managers can deal with that you know on the road in their travels and so on so yeah i think that that's a, a very good example Thank you very much, Chet Harder. Join us. Thoughts, please. You know, I, I I loved everything she had to say about hyper automation. The, but you, you know, and I and I as I, you know, I should just I I could just take the easy way out here and say I just agree with everything she said, and it was beautiful, and and to a large degree, it it absolutely was. I I like the vision. Uh, as a as a guy who 
was uh, in the industry, in the manufacturing industry, prior to coming uh, to SAP in the software industry, I, I think we we all all of us in the software industry have this gap that we're we're working with. Earlier in this in this in this program, I mentioned the fact that we have technology from 2021 today, but we still have business processes from, from 1995, and and I think we can close that gap. But when I when I start hearing things like hyper automation, we're not just talking, you know, not just automation, but hyper automation. I think there's a tendency for the people we work with, our customers, and you know, to, to start backing up a little bit. You know, they're thinking, you know, they're thinking, I'm barely crawling. I need to figure out how to walk first before I start running or hyper running. Uh, and I think that's something that people like us need to take into consideration. I think when we go out and talk about things like hyper automation, it's a really cool thing and it's the capabilities that we have today. But I think there's a gap because our, our, the actual business people that we work with on an ongoing basis don't, don't, uh, don't necessarily are, they're not necessarily able to apply it to, to their business. They're, 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 they're engulfed in how they've done business for 20 years. And to, to say, now we're going to take everything you've done in the past and we're going to just change it all into something totally different now because we can, I think that's where we start seeing the resistance. And that, so um, I love the idea of hyper automation, but I think we need to be really careful that we're helping companies crawl and walk and run as opposed to going out and suggesting that they do everything that they can do today. So that's, that, that's just my input. I, I agree with everything you said. It's a great vision, but it's people like us who need to interpret that into actual you know, how does a business apply these things in a, in a fashion that they can actually that they can actually handle? Shikshitha, why don't you comment back to the two gentlemen on the panel, but keep it brief because I want to move on to a statement yeah. from Keith. So what do you think? That was a great conversation starter. Go ahead. True. I mean, uh, uh, that's true. What uh, Ted just uh, mentioned is absolutely true because it is our responsibility to showcase what is automation, what is intelligent, intelligent automation, and how do we achieve hyper automation, right? And as simple as, you know, resume filtering in hiring process can be automated. And that's, that's the low-hanging fruit. Anyone can do it, right? Let's start with that and then move on then we can also automate the employee retiring process where they follow through all different exit process and we will have to deactivate uh, different uh, accounts, access, etc. And that can be automated. So all such low-hanging fruits can be automated and they are the automation. And eventually when the complete process becomes automated, uh, that's an intelligent automation. And Along with that, if we have integrated multiple tools, that's where we are running, as Chet mentioned. And that's where we have achieved hyper-automation. Thank you very much. And you know what? I want to go back and reread my opening quote from tigersheet.com. I think this is where it comes in. Chet, I'm talking to you. It is imperative that you find the right balance between automation and human intelligence within your business. Automation is shy. It's great for boring repetitive tasks behind the scenes, not so much when it comes to the front lines. And I'm remembering Sakshitha years ago when I was applying for various jobs and I had to go through an online resume entry form. And it was complex and it was long. And I knew that there was a system, Chet's nodding. I think he knows where I'm going going with this. And I knew that it was going to pick off certain keywords in my resume, my job experience. 
And I knew that I wasn't even going to get an acknowledgement other than we've received an automated response. I wasn't going to be talking to a person. And I knew if I didn't embed those SEO, if you will, in the resume, those search engine optimization, job engine optimization words, they wouldn't even talk to me because a person would never get to see it. A person would never say, that person sounds like an interest. Who is this Bonnie D. Graham? She sounds like she could be, or that person, we can't even say she anymore. That person might be a fit for our company because they never got to see it. So I, I know that sometimes we automate processes for efficiency that eliminate the human, creative, imaginative, intelligent, humanistic, caring, compassionate mind, the empathetic mind, and we automate it and, and we eliminate people. I'm, I'm going to stop there because I could do a whole show on this, but let's move on. So thank you for that very thought-provoking conversation starter, Shuksitha, and everybody around the table. Keith Grayson, we have time for one more, and I've picked your statement number four. I'll just read a little bit. You say, a culture of continuous improvement is the key to intelligent automation adoption success. Initially, despite best efforts, there will be areas that we try to automate, but the implementation falls short. Let's talk about continuous improvement. Keith, go ahead. And by the way, everybody, I have to keep you all on full gallery view on the recording because Keith is talking to us on a phone. It's just a little icon on a black screen. So you're all on. <laughs> go ahead, Keith. <laughs> Disclosure. Disclaimer. Okay. Thank, you. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, and the key word here is culture. Because when we talk about intelligent automation, one of the things that we're doing is, is moving from a sort of gut feel style of management to data-driven management. And if you really want to be successful in an organization, you have to move to a culture that says, look, here is what the data shows. This is how we improve it. We measure the improvement. We don't blame on people and that's a real key part of having a culture of continuous improvement because otherwise you don't continuous improvement you don't get improvement at all so this is something that I'm passionate about you know and and it's something that I could could talk to ages for ages about um, but thinking about that that process the culture of continuous improvement it's really all about measuring about implementing, it's about measuring and making little improvements in real time and having the capability to do that. Then it's about being able to draw insights, start all over again from, from a big sort of redesign of, and rethink of your business process. So that's where the, the, the continuous improvement has. And then there are different sets of tools that you need to help you all the way along that life cycle so that you get the sort of data to support that continuous improvement. So, you know, despite initially, if we, if we start from the beginning, when you look at your business processes, when you do a proper evaluation of them, initially, despite your best efforts, there are going to be areas that we try to automate, but the, implementa the implementation either is technical or organizational, that's going to fall short. There will be an escalation and exception conditions that are missed in the business process analysis because there's always somebody picking up a phone somewhere to ask somebody what to do or to get exceptional approval for stuff that's never, you know, ever documented. 
So we know that's going to happen. There's, so there's going to be people missing in the approval and escalation part. But then as we go to the next process, as we go to the next iteration, we're going to find that out. And as the processes, our intelligent automation processes mature, we will need to adjust the technical workflows to reflect reorganizations. Because, you know, task automation implies static rules. Static rules don't let you reorganize the business. They don't let you optimize things. And, and businesses aren't static. So we need to be, have an intelligent automation that's at least as dynamic, if not more dynamic, as the business and the manual or semi-manual processes that actually we're approaching. And so that whole thing of change your intelligent automation culture really is mandatory to make the intelligent automation and, or automation, as, as Sushita says, um, sustainable. Thank and, you. And the key thing that people miss when they're deploying these technologies, especially when they're rule-based technologies, is about making it sustainable as, as you go through the organization. Thank so you, stop. Keith. Very interesting. Very, you brought up a lot of points. I was looking at your notes and you covered all of them. And, and dynamic organizations can't afford to be static. We know that. And there are the times they are a changing, right, Chad Harder? So I, we, we have just a couple minutes left. I want to get comments back. And I have a comment at the end I, I think you'll find very interesting. Chad, you're virtually sitting next to Mr. Keith Grayson. Would you please take about a minute and a half tops to respond to what he said? Agree or disagree? Chad, go ahead. A lot of what he said was above my head, quite honestly. However, <laughs> however, I mean, it's brilliant. You know, I had a conversation with him a couple of days ago and he blew me away. Um, but the thing is, a couple, a couple of things he talked about, continuous improvement and data-driven. I mean, that's, that, is, that is the essence of, of so much that we talk about today in business process management. I don't know of one company out there that exists today that doesn't have a continuous improvement program because the, because 10 years ago, the ones who didn't have a continuous improvement program no longer exist. Coincidence? Uh, but nonetheless, everybody has a continuous improvement program. And the fact that today we can do it in a much more data-driven fashion, and I think that's a key point. When you look at when you look at some of the initiatives that some companies have today, why are they replacing that software? Why are they re-engineering this process? It's because performance somewhere in the company wasn't what it was supposed to be, and somebody's getting hit over the head with a two-by-four saying, you guys better get with it. You know, you, you need to sell more, okay? Well, then, then there's my, my, my sales system is no good. I need to replace my sales system. Well, that's just, you know, now, now we're reacting, we're, we're, we're doing continuous improvement totally based upon emotion, not because of any data-driven method for determining where is the best place to focus our re-engineering efforts, our continuous improvement efforts. And that can all change today. So many companies are that emotion-based. We can offer that today. We do, well, we do that today. We have the ability to, to be a very data-driven organization to make sure we're applying our resources to where we get the best bang for the buck. Thank you very much, Sukshita. I can give you about 90 seconds for your comment. We're hitting the edge of the show. Go ahead. Oh, my God. That's so less. I mean, this is the actual topic we must be discussing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Talk to Dana, part two. Part two. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, both Chet and Keith had uh, too many statements, which we must actually uh, give attention at. And uh, 
business is not static which grabbed my attention uh, as stated by keith you know process uh, uh, is something which uh, chet highlighted so process run the world you know and process today are complex as as there are so many industries there is oil and gas there is you know report to cash and there is hire to retire there are lot many line of business and process are uh, really really long and it might lead to errors inefficiencies and costs ultimately what we want to save is cost and what we want to get away is by errors so with intelligent automation the future of work is not tasks being completed by robots instead it is reimagining work as done by employees with technology so such collaboration with humans and with intelligent automation will lead us to take some key decision uh, you know while we uh, get some fine tuned data applying our insights to bring better value from the business i Thank think you. i made it on time <laughs> you did you did thank you and i have a, a suggestion for all of you we've been talking in terms of we the company the business we never said whose job was it whose job is it to hyper automate whose job is it to look at continuous improvement do we need a new cio around the table in the c suite continuous improvement officer in addition to chief information officer do we need a new seat at the table called the hao hyper automation officer or the business management process officer because we're talking about this in an abstract we have to you have to come somebody has to make it their focus am i right chat and sukshita and key somebody has to be responsible for it. it's not just everybody sits around a table and 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 eats hot dogs and says yeah we got to do this somebody the buck has to stop somewhere i think that's another show is who is the we who who has to do this who are the people who take a look who look at data driven continuous improvement chat harder and say it's not working or it is so chief who's the person who says we need to make jobs better for women who are managing families or people anybody any gender who are, who is at home and doing a job and keith what about the consumerization of the job who is responsible for making sure that employees love it so our title was take your job and love it You know there's a country song take this job and shove it we've been talking about how to take this job keep your job and love your job we've got to end this party it's been wonderful speaking to all of you and again a shout out to Dana Quarter and Ira Burke at SAP Dana is a wonderful showrunner she manages everything very very well she's got the process down pat and Ira thank you so much for continuing to have faith that we are conveying really good business information to our global audience so i uh, here's my call to action shout out also to Aaron Keller our engineer extraordinary I know I have 20 seconds here Aaron. So everybody fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is getting 6 weeks to the gallon now. How's yours doing? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Chet Harder at SAP. Wonderful to see you, Chet. And I see you for the first time. We weren't on Zoom when you were on last time. Shakitha, are it inksure is such a pleasure. You are such a uh, well of great information and passion for the topic and we really appreciate what you contributed to the show. Keith Grayson, thank you for managing your bandwidth issues and getting on the phone and staying with us. You are a trooper. Bonnie D Graham signing off. Everybody have a great day. Bye-bye from Internet of Things with Game Changers. Wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. 
To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 